Our reading this morning is found in 2 Corinthians. Finally, brothers, goodbye. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints send their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is the word of the Lord. And thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. Today in the church year, uh, we celebrate Trinity Sunday. And we're going to compare the fact that God reveals himself to us uh, in a fairly complex and complicated way as one God, but Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to a symphony. How many have ever been to a symphony? Uh, many of us have. It's one of the most popular musical genres that uh, we have in our culture, but it's not a simple thing, a, a, a symphony. It's played by a full orchestra so that every single part, every single musical instrument in the orchestra has their own score. And when you put all those together, it adds up to, to reams of paper like this high. Uh, on, on top of that, there are four movements, usually in a symphony. The third is, is, is in triple meter, a minuet and trio, and then it comes together in the final movement. Well, when the symphony is all finished and we experience it, it's something that we enjoy. It's an amazing finished product. The Holy Trinity, complex, complicated. How can God be one yet three at the same time? And so rather than trying to understand or explain that with our finite minds, today we're going to just enjoy the final product, the, like the final symphony of how God is for us and with us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God. To help us today, we, we go to the final verse of Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. And he ends up with this blessing where God is mentioned. He says, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's the Trinity. And while the Trinity is a doctrine that came into use about 200 A.D., first made popular by the church father Tertullian and then ratified at the Council of Nicaea, our Nicene Creed, in 325 A.D., it's more than, than just a doctrine or a teaching that is complicated. The truth of the Trinity means that God has a plan for you and that He loves you, that He cares for you, and He is with you no matter what you're going through. Well, let, let's look at the, at the different movements of this symphony of the Holy Trinity. And the first thing we're going to look at is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way the Apostle Paul does, because grace is really at the core of who we are as God's people. That God knows you perfectly, and He loves you the way that you are. It's an amazing truth that we celebrate. Grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, as I thought about that this week, I recalled something that happened quite often in my childhood. I grew up in southern Illinois, across from the church in the church parsonage. My dad was the pastor. There were seven kids, and uh, my dad seemed to always be gone doing church stuff, and so mom was always there at the house. And Route 140, where we lived next to, was a busy highway. 
And at that time, we had hitchhikers, which my mom and dad called hobos. Now, do you know what a hobo is? I'm not even sure that's a politically correct term anymore. But uh, th- these guys knew, or they, had, they knew exactly where our house was when they were traveling, hitchhiking, and they would stop at our house and they would knock on the door. My mom would answer the door and they'd ask, may I have some food? And my mom had a pack of hot dogs always in the refrigerator. And uh, she, would, she would heat up, uh, uh, boil the water right away before microwaves and, and uh, two or three hot dogs. And she'd put them in the buns and some potato chips and maybe a couple homemade cookies and maybe a piece of fruit and a, and a glass, a cup of lemonade and uh, put them in a sack and they were off on their way again. Well, I thought, looking back on that, that was a pretty, that was a pretty graceful thing that my mom did, don't you think? I mean, that was an act of generosity, wasn't it? But, you know, God's grace is even more amazing than that. I'm going to change the story. This is fictitious, by the way. But can you imagine if a hobo knocked on our door to ask for food, and my mom opens the door, and she looks at the guy, and she realizes that this was the same guy that was here a month ago and who came back and robbed our house two weeks later and cleaned out a lot of the valuables that we had in our home. Now, if that were you answering the door, what would you do? I would have slammed the door, locked, locked it right away, and called the police right away, right? But what if my mom would have gone to the refrigerator and got this guy his lunch and gave it to him with a smile and said, here you go, and he was off on his way. Now that's grace because there, and specifically in this instant, that guy would get something that he didn't deserve. In fact, what did he deserve? He deserved to be arrested. He deserved to be imprisoned. Friends, that's grace for us too. Think about what we deserve. The fact that God made us to serve Him and to be perfect and holy and we don't do it. And we sin against Him in our thoughts and our words and our deeds. And it's not only what we do wrong or think wrong or say wrong, but it's the things that we fail to do right, you know, to love, to care, to reach out beyond ourselves. And God has every right, every right to condemn us. But what does He do? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ means that Jesus Christ is alive and active to take away our sins. And how did he do it? You know, if I were writing a symphony when it, came, when it comes to the cross, as Jesus climbs the hill of Calvary and he's carrying his own cross with some help, I would start a low timpani beat. And then that low, other low bass instruments would join the timpani in a minor key. And as Jesus would speak from the cross, that crescendo would build until finally, he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and he breathes his last, and the music stops. There's silence. And then all of a sudden, there's a high piccolo, that's a high flute, would start in the background. And then other instruments, high instruments, joyful instruments would join at that time. And instead of being in a minor key, it would be in a major key. And uh, the crescendo would continue to take place until every instrument in the orchestra is playing because Jesus comes back to life in the resurrection. And the Bible says that because Jesus died for us on the cross, because he suffered in our place and took our sins upon himself, and since he rose from the dead, now when we attach ourselves to him by faith, we have the promise of life, life in its fullness. Life that is today, 
and life that goes on forever. That's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I, I like the way that Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that now through his poverty you might become rich. We are the richest people in all the world because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christian singer uh, Stephen Chapman says, In the gospel we discover we are far worse than we thought but we are far more loved than we deserve. And this is the awesome grace of our Lord Jesus, that every time we look to the cross in faith, we have the assurance that even when everything else is going bad, that His grace is sufficient for us through the ups and the downs of life to know that God's in control and that we can trust Him. That's the first movement of the symphony, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The second movement continues, the love of God. And we take that to mean the grace of our Lord, the love of God the Father. And what kind of love does the Father have for us? It's a selecting kind of love. I go back to 1 John 3, verse 1, where, where John says, Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, that we should be called the children of God. Out of all people in the universe ever to live, isn't it amazing that God chose you to know Him and to know Jesus as your Savior? In Ephesians 4, verse 1, it says that in Him, in Jesus, the Father chose you from the beginning of the world. Even before creation, God knew you and loved you. That's a selecting kind of love, isn't it? And to me, it's hard to fathom. It's hard to figure out. And again, uh, in our finite minds, just like trying to figure out and understand the, the complexity of the Trinity is the fact that God chose you in a selecting kind of love that boggles the mind. But finally, we praise God that it's a matter of faith. And it's a comfort for us, a comfort to know that who you are as a child of God doesn't depend on you. It's not what you do or you don't do. It depends totally on God and His grace coming to you and making you His own in your baptism. That's what God the Father has done for you. He's adopted you and made you His own. And you know, it's a, finally, it's a sacrificial love. We, we celebrate uh, the festival of the Father at Christmas that God loved us so much that He sent His Son to become one of us in the muck and the mire of humanity to be our Savior. It uh, reminds me of, of, a, of what happened with a, with a missionary in Indonesia. And Indonesia is where the Sawi tribes are. And they are famous for being headhunters. And they, were, they are one of the most warring and violent cultures that have ever been in, in, in our world. They can't even get along the various tribes with each other. They were constantly at war with one another. And this missionary tried to step in and have peace with them, make, have, make them have peace with one another. Well, one time he brought two tribes together. And there they were in an open field. And uh, the, the tension in the air was electric. And finally, what one warrior did on one side of, of the warring groups, he took his child from his nursing wife, from the mother, and he took the child, and he brought the child and gave it over to 
a warrior in the opposing tribe. That mother, as you can expect, was hysterical. But as this happened, one of the warriors on the other side took one of his children from his wife, from the mother, and then took that child over and gave that child over to the warrior and to his wife. Now you had two mothers who were extremely upset. But what was the, what was the cause? The missionary asked his friend, says, what's going on here? And the friend said, as long as those children are safe in the opposing tribes, there will be peace. And sure enough, after this happened, the two groups broke into a, a, a dance, a, a, a thanksgiving, a, a joy-filled time of singing and, and hilarity because they were at peace with one another. And the missionary then used that to talk about the relationship with God, how he offered himself as the peace child to come into our humanity, born into our flesh, to take our sins away from us. God's love is a selecting love which is sacrificial, that He gave up His only begotten Son to be our Savior. That's the love of God, our Father. As Christians, we, we talk the most about Jesus, and rightly so, because we are of Christ. We are Christians. And yet we can never forget the love of God, our Father. So you've got the first movement, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The second movement, the love of God. And thirdly then, the third movement is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The word fellowship is a relational term. Fellowship. First of all, we think about the fellowship that we have with God. And it's God the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, that brings us to faith in Jesus Christ. Luther says, I can't by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel. That's what the Holy Spirit does. In 1 Corinthians 12, 3b, Paul says, no one can even say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so it's the Holy Spirit that brings us fellowship with God. He gets us started, doesn't he? Uh, as I was thinking about that this week, I was thinking about learning to drive, and I learned to drive on a 1968 Volkswagen Beetle. Uh, anyone ever learned to drive or drive in one of those? It, it was a fun little car, a four-speed on the floor, and uh, reverse, you had to push it down and then over and back, and that was kind of hard because you'd think it'd be in reverse, and it was in you know, second gear, and you'd kill it right away. Well, anyway, it wasn't long after I learned how to drive that our family moved to Wisconsin, and uh, uh, I was a senior in high school, and uh, Dad would let me use the car occasionally. And it, it seemed like every winter in Wisconsin, there was one week where it didn't even get above zero. And then in the evenings, it would get like 20 below zero. And cars had a hard time running and starting. And so Dad let me take the car at basketball practice or, or whatever, and he'd say, but Luther, be careful because uh, it may not start. It's, it's so cold. And so I learned to do something. I learned to park on an incline at the top of the incline so that the car could be pushed down the incline, and you could do it by yourself. I, I learned how to do it. You open the door, and you start pushing. Then you jump in the seat at the last minute, put it in gear, and pop the clutch. And it started every time, Okay. The Holy Spirit is the starter of our faith. We give Him the credit for doing that. But many Christians don't get beyond the start because the Holy Spirit not only starts us, but then He uses His means of grace to keep us going strong. 
And there is a movement of the Holy Spirit every time someone comes in contact with the Word of God, whether that's at our worship service, whether it's with you and your personal time with God in your devotions, whether it's when you're in a small group Bible study or in a group Bible study, the Holy Spirit continues to be active in your heart and your life to mold you and to build you to be more and more like Jesus, to be more and more His disciple. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And not only when we think about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, do we have fellowship with God, but the word fellowship has been defined as fellows in the same ship. We're all in the same boat. We not only have fellowship with God, but then in our cross-shaped theology, we have fellowship with one another, and we encourage one another, and we build one another up, and it's all the work of the Holy Spirit in our midst. What a wonderful symphony of God's grace we have. The first movement, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And friends, we can use lots of things to try to explain what the Trinity is about. Uh, you know, we, we often use the three forms of H2O, right? What are the three forms of H2O? You've got liquid, that's water. Solid is what? Ice. What's the gaseous form of, of water? It's vapor. It's, it's, it's steam. It's a cloud, right? And yet it's H2O, but in three different forms. Or we can talk about the fact that, you know, uh, uh, you know here's Dave Reed. Dave, you're a, you're a, a father, uh, yet you're also a husband, uh, yet you're also a woodworker, and yet you're one person, right? But you have different functions. And, you know... All, but all of that finally comes short. It falls short. It's complicated, isn't it? And yet today we sit back and we enjoy the final product, just like that symphony. And we re relax with peace and joy knowing that we have a God who is for us, and who is with us, and who loves us. But you know what, folks, friends? Uh, how many movements are there in a symphony? Does anyone remember? There's four movements. We've talked about three movements, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's a fourth movement yet to come. And then that's when all of us will be joined face to face with the Lord in glory. And we will be together in our heavenly home that He has prepared for us where there will be no more problems or tears or anything else. This last week, two of our dear disciples entered into that state of, into that glory with Jesus and the Father, and the Holy Spirit. you got Mary Ann McMurray and Don Zooks. You know, how, what, what a great thing that is for them. We'll miss them. And yet the, the God who loves us is for us, and He will never leave us or forsake us. And so I leave you with the words of the Apostle Paul, that blessing, that Trinitarian blessing, the, uh, the enjoyment of the symphony is here's is here today and it's yours. For the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen? Amen.